Welcome to the ASCD Connect podcast, supporting you on your journey as a life-changing educator. Here's your host for today's program. Hi, everyone. I'm Anthony Ribora, Editor-in-Chief of ASCD's Educational Leadership. Schools today are under tremendous pressure to accelerate learning in the wake of the pandemic. But can they do so in ways that increase student engagement and deepen understanding and that support teacher agency? Those are central concerns for my guest today. Paul Emmerich France is a National Board Certified Educator and the author of the book Reclaiming Personalized Learning. He writes regularly on school professional cultures and effective instruction for educational leadership. Welcome, Paul. It's great to have you back on our program. Thanks so much for having me. Great. So you've written that lack of agency is part of what causes teachers to leave the profession or at least remain frustrated with it. Can you explain what you mean by this, that lack of agency that teachers feel? Yeah. Um I mean, I think we have to first consider what what drives all human beings, right? We have to think about intrinsic motivation. And I draw upon Daniel Pink's work for that. And he he describes intrinsic motivation in terms of a sense of autonomy, so the ability to make decisions, um, a sense of mastery, which is really just the feeling that we're getting better at something or that we can connect our efforts to our progress. Um, and then purpose, just understanding what we're doing and why we're doing it. And I think teacher agency can be framed in that way. Um, a lot of teachers don't feel like they have the ability to make decisions on behalf of or in partnership with their learners in the classroom. Um, a lot of teachers don't know why they're doing certain things they're doing. They're just told to do them and expected to comply. In, in addition to, you know, a lot of the, the challenges we've seen over the last couple of years, in addition to those challenges, it makes sense why teachers would be disengaging from the profession because they're feeling, you know, a lack of a lack of autonomy, a lack of um, ability to engage in things in schools that have an authentic purpose. Um, and so it makes sense why teachers are burning out because they just don't see, you know, they don't see the purpose in what they're doing and they don't feel like they have a choice or a say in the matter. Um, and this really, this makes them disengage and burn out. And, you know, I can speak to that as a, as a practicing teacher that I've had countless experiences where I felt that disengagement and burnout because I felt a lack of agency, you know, in different ways. So do you see this mainly as a fault of school leadership or just the culture of schools or where do you where do you uh, see the room for improvement? Yeah, I don't see it as a fault of school leaders. I think that would be like a really big mistake to just blame. You know, I think that would add to the unsustainability of all of it, right? Like I think that there are a ton of amazing administrators out there that are doing their best right, to, to support their teachers. I think there are some administrators out there that do run schools with an iron fist and it leads to, you know, disengagement and burnout from teachers. It's not that that doesn't exist. I just don't think we can paint all administrators with a broad brush. And I don't think we can, we can, you know, say it's this one factor that's contributing to this, because if it was just one factor, we would have fixed it by now. I think we have to look, you know, at broader society and what we value value what we value in general, but also what we value in terms of, of teaching and learning. And I think, you know, a lot of the times what we've all been conditioned to look for in schools is this certainty, right? That like, we'll do X and Y, and it will lead to Z. Um, specifically, you know, if we do this practice and this practice and this practice, that it will lead to higher test scores. And I think like most issues in our in the education ecosystem, right, can be traced back to how we define success in schools. And for so long, for so, so long, despite the fact that we know how um, flawed standardized test metrics are, 
um, we use those to define success in schools and it and it impacts the way we think, the things we do, even the best intentioned people, right, that are leaning on these metrics make decisions because, you know, the, the stakes are really high and they have no, they don't have the agency to use other metrics or they don't have enough agency to use other metrics to describe learning. And so I think we, you know, we have to look at what are those systemic inputs and not place blame on individuals or groups. I see. Okay. Interesting. So you've said that teacher agency is not only good for teacher retention and job satisfaction, but also could improve instruction and student learning. So how are teacher agency and student learning correlated? Well, we need teachers to be agentive in our classrooms because we need them to make mindful instructional decisions to meet the needs of all learners. And I think it's really as simple as that. If teachers don't feel empowered to make decisions for the unique needs of their learners, then we are not going to have the equitable learning environments that we need where all kids' needs are met. I see. So in your work, you've also used the term sustainable pedagogy. What does this mean to you and why is it important? Well, I think most of us can agree. Like whenever I talk, whenever I mention the term sustainable teaching, people's ears perk up. And I think it's because there's this sort of collective agreement that teaching in its current state is unsustainable. Um, and it is because we see that we're losing teachers, right? There's this sort of general negative sentiment around teaching. I think a lot of teachers would not recommend to young people to become teachers because of the low pay and, um, you know, the lack of agency a lot of people feel and just how we're treated in general. Um, so the, the, the idea of sustainability relates to the, you know, sort of energetic demands of a classroom and what it requires to sustain, to sustain learning in our classrooms. And I think historically, right, it's been on the shoulders of teachers to, to really sustain all learning in the classroom. And I think that this relates again back to this idea of how we measure success in schools and our emphasis on certainty, right? We want to do X and Y so we can get Z and Z being those standardized test scores. So when we, when we focus on sustainability, we, we realize that like teachers are just one person, right? Or an individual teacher is just one person and they can't be responsible for sustaining learning in the classroom all on their own. Um, and so what this requires is a series of mindset shifts you know, away from unproductive mindset shifts. And these are, these will be in the, the, these six mindset shifts will be in the, in the new book. Um, but one example of a mindset shift is an, as a shift towards collectivism. And I love this idea of collectivism in the ter in the context of sustainable teaching, because what it, what it asks us to do is partner with learners and share, share the responsibility of, of decision-making in the classroom. So they are sharing in those energetic demands of sustaining learning. And so to me that this idea of, of sustainable pedagogy is about like taking some of the responsibility off of teachers' shoulders and recognizing that learning is a collective responsibility that everyone needs to, you know, everyone needs to contribute to. Um, and I think it's so important because we're losing teachers, you know, and, and people don't want to become teachers. So we have to, we have to think differently, which is why I frame it in terms of mindset shifts. And then those mindset shifts hopefully will propel us into doing things differently in our classroom so that teachers are not burning out. Right. So in that context, what would you say are the hallmarks of good student-centered instruction? You know, what are the things you look for when you're working with a prospective or novice teacher or with a school? The first thing that comes to mind or the biggest problem I see, I'm also, an, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm an, an adjunct professor, professor, so I work with 
pre-service teachers as well, in addition to, you know, new teachers and veteran teachers. And it's a, a huge problem I see is clarity around what exactly kids are learning and why they're learning it. Um, and it's to me, there's this distinction between I'm an activity oriented teacher and I'm a learning oriented teacher. So an activity oriented teacher is going to plan day by day and is going to create activities to keep the kids busy, you know, or to, to have them do things. It's very product oriented. But a learning oriented teacher is going to use backward design. They're going to identify what is it that I want my kids to learn. They're going to deconstruct those learning goals into learning objectives and create a sequence of learning experiences that is intended to slowly scaffold and build knowledge over time. And I see that as, as, a, as a weakness um, overall in, in teaching. Um, and so, so while there are many hallmarks of good instruction, like that is something I look for. Is the teacher aware of, like uh, acutely aware too, not just I'm teaching fractions, but like I'm teaching how to add you know, fractions with like denominators, like that they are acutely aware of what is a learning goal for the day. And I think that um, a lot of challenges in teaching can be traced back to that. Yeah, that's an interesting dichotomy. So related to that, in your recent, your most recent article in Educational Leadership, you and your co-author, uh, John Almarod, discuss the importance of noticing as a student learning skill. So this is a complex article, I'm, I'm a complex concept, and I encourage people to read the article. Why is noticing such a critical part of fostering deeper learning? Yeah, so if, if we want teaching to be sustainable, we have to partner with learners and share in those energetic demands of learning in the classroom, like I was mentioning before. Um, so in order for learners to share in that responsibility, one, we need to trust them. We need to let go of some of the responsibility, but that means that learners need to be agents of their own learning. So they need to be decision makers in our classroom, which can be a tall order. Before they can be decision makers, we need to cultivate self-awareness with it, within them. So this could be noticing their bodies, like physical sensations. It could be noticing their emotions. It could be metacognition, noticing how they're thinking about something. Could even be just noticing their surroundings, so they can, you know, noticing what peers are doing or noticing what tools are at their disposal in order to make productive, educative decisions in the classroom. So if we don't teach kids to notice, whether it's noticing the little details in a task or the emotional or physiological experiences they have in the classroom and how to regulate those, or if we don't teach them how to notice their surroundings and how they can use tools or use their peers to learn then they're going to constantly require the teacher to sustain learning on their behalf. And as amazing as teachers are, we're just not that powerful to sustain learning for that many kids in our classrooms. We need to partner with them in order to do that. And I think cultivating self-awareness is a major part of our classrooms becoming more sustainable so that kids are, you know, sharing in those energetic demands of learning. Um, so there's been a lot of news lately about instructional gaps or learning loss from the pandemic, as you know, and I know you have strong feelings about this topic. What are your greatest concerns about the way schools might address this issue or the way you're seeing schools address this issue? I mean, my first concern is the framing of all of it. I don't think anyone is really debating that kids aren't where they would have been if the pandemic hadn't happened. But I get really frustrated with that logic because the pandemic did happen and it further amplified the inequities baked into the education system. Um, and so what I'm most disappointed with 
is that we've identified these inequities and we talked about it a lot in 2020, but then went right back to what we were doing pre-pandemic, which was centering standardized test scores and deficit framing our learners, which outrightly contradicts the learner-centered visions that preach equity and inclusion and all that, you know, all those great words that we use. Um, and so like the, what, what's happened, right, is, you know, now schools are, people have identified that learning loss is a bad term, I think, overall, most people can agree on that now. But now it's being framed in terms of learning acceleration, which some will say, well, that's not deficit framing, that's asset based. And I disagree. Um, because what, what, what teachers hear, when they hear the words learning acceleration is speed up learning, because we've lost so much that we need to get it back. And I don't really think that's productive. I think that creates this I think a sense of urgency is fine, but a sense of panicked urgency is not okay, and it doesn't help anyone. And what ends up happening is like it it does negatively impact the teachers, but it trickles down to the students. If the teachers are stressed because they have this panicked urgency to get test scores back up, it's going to translate into test-centric practices that push, put pressure on kids. That's like basic Campbell's law. Like that is what will happen. So that's my concern is that we're, you know, we're using these terms that are deficit framing and we're not focused on what we should be focused on, which is healing. So what would be the alternative? If you were, if you were a school administrator, what approach would you take in recovering from instructional gaps? You know, what would you try to instill in your staff? That's, that's a great question. I mean, I, I recently had the pleasure of hearing um, Tiffany Anderson speak at the ASCD Leadership Summit, and she was just so inspiring. The, the way she approaches being a school leader, you know, like I, um, she, she talked about building systems, right. And she talked about how, you know, she wasn't directly focused on those standardized test metrics. It wasn't like she was trying to address, you know, recovering academic learning loss. She talked about building systems that support kids as human beings, you know, whether that's helping kids who are in poverty or connecting families with resources, you know, so that they can support their kids. It, it wasn't, it wasn't about finding the shortest means necessary to the highest, you know, test, test scores. It's about looking at kids and looking at a community holistically and like, what do, what does this community need? And what do these, what do our kids need to show up ready to learn at school and feel engaged in school and feel good about school. It goes back to that ideal idea of healing and that we need to heal. We need to resolve some of those or heal some of those wounds from the pandemic and from before the pandemic in order for all of us to show up at school ready to really engage in learning. And so that's, you know, I would take an approach like Tiffany did and build systems that support kids and that support teachers holistically as human beings. And I think teacher agency and sustainability play into that. Because I think if teachers are agents in or feel empowered to be agents and decision makers in their classrooms, and if we focus on sustainability, then we can build those systems that, you know, that sustain people and heal and help people heal, you know, while still coming to school. Sounds like great advice. So thank you for taking the time to share your expertise and insights, Paul. And thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. To read more of Paul Emmerich Francis' work on educational leadership, go to www.ascd.
www.ministrymarkwood.org/el.